the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to the first 442 Insider podcast of the new A-League season, just 36 hours before the big kickoff. Uh, I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me in the broom cupboard is editor Aidan Ormond. Hello. And online editor Kevin Ayres. Hello. Boys, we're back once again yeah. with the Renegade Master. Uh, right, 36 hours to go. Let's, have a, let's just kick off with a general chat about what's happened since we were last on air in June. Where do we start, Kev? It's funny, isn't it? I mean, last season, it felt like we're never going to top last season because last season was pretty great. We had, you know, Kuhl coming back. We had Emerson and uh, all the others. And, yeah, this season looked like it was just going to be sliding slightly towards being quite quiet by comparison. And suddenly, Heskey, Del Piero, uh, Ono, talk of Balak until he retired. Uh, It's just been sensational. Mm. Mm. And it, you know, I, I, it was the Del Piero uh, move that sort of broke ranks because prior to that, Ado, um, you know, it, it seemed that we were drifting towards a new season without any major sort of marquee standard recruitments. And I guess we can trace it back to the the announcement from Sydney FC that they were releasing Nick Carl, mm. that then triggered this sort yeah. of. Five-day yeah. whirlwind, Alessandro Del Piero loving that yeah. resulted in his signature. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that Banias SC, one of the most, uh, let's say, lower-profile clubs in the world in, in Abu Dhabi, would trigger this uh, this uh, series of events that's led to not only Del Piero but Heskey, Ono, Italian TV deals, uh, main Japanese TV Japanese, deals. Yeah. yeah, there might be some more as well. Um, the most uh, hyped up coverage we've ever seen and I think a year ago we were saying how are we going to top this this coming season with Emerton and Kuehl we haven't just topped it have we it's it's I don't no. think we will ever have another pre-season like this or oh will look we? no we'll never say never anymore. no no because we're now thinking big and about bloody time yeah. but I, think, I mean uh, you know let's let's credit Sydney FC Tony Pinata, Lou Sticker who was instrumental in this obviously we'll talk about our new issue where we've got the story of that deal um but this is sort of, you know, probably the highest profile. He's the highest paid sportsman in Australia. Um, and he's probably, I, I mean, Dwight was big. But personally, I, I saw something yesterday that was saying that, that Del Piero wasn't as big a signing as Dwight York. I, I think he's a much bigger signing than Dwight York in terms of his global reach. The guy's got half a million fan club in Japan. <laughs> he's got his own logo, for God's sake. Mm, Come yeah. on. Yeah. And he's friends with Noel Gallagher. Friends with Noel Gallagher. Which will be revealed in the That will be revealed. Yeah, no, I mean, he is huge. He is obviously huge. I mean, Dwight York was a huge thing for the Anglo uh, football files in the country. Alessandro cuts across all of that. Maybe not quite cutting so much into the Anglo file uh, football fans. Uh, I think he's more European than the rest of the world. Uh, the Anglers would probably still be more excited by Heskey than uh, Del Piero. Oh, well, that's, that's a controversial... Doing, controversial. you do the English a disservice uh, there. I don't know. Well, but uh, you, you won't find an Aston Villa fan that thinks Heskey's a bigger signing than Del Piero. <laughs> that's for certain. Three yeah. and a half million pound of gold for four years. <laughs> <laughs> I, still I mean, not bitter. Still well, not I, bitter. I, I agree. I, I think... Uh, 
you, you know, when you, when you have Sydney siders who don't follow football talking about it, you know, that's when you know you've cut through. You know, you, you listen to it on the radio. You can see it in the public. It's, um, it's, it's very special. I think it is bigger than. I, I, mean, I still, front, front I still. And back pages of the Telegraph and yeah. you know, in, in the middle of the NRL finals. Oh no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not denying his appeal. What I'm saying is, I think there's a certain market that aren't quite so excited about it as the rest. The rest of the world is hugely excited about it, yeah. but there's this, a fraction of English football, UK football fans that, Del Piero, yeah, another European, what of it? Who are these? Name them. I'm English. Right. I'm excited by Del Piero. Yeah, but you... He's a legend. He is a legend, but I still... I can, I can actually show you the results on our website that say he is not the biggest thing that's happened. What is? Del Piero signing. Our figures show, I can show you the top ten, and the top one is um, Heskett, uh, Newcastle. Second one is Heskey's arrival. What Third is one is Del Piero's uh, training at Sydney. Uh, the fourth one is, the, these are the picture galleries. Uh, Del Piero is three out of the top ten, and he's got one in the top five. Interesting insight. Mm. Interesting mm. insight. And, you know, uh, you can't fudge these figures. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's public. Yeah. Uh, and Ono signing, Ono actually signing for Wanderers was our biggest story of the month. Wow! By a huge margin, yeah. huge and margin. Even, wasn't, it, wasn't it Tarek Elridge? I mean, do, do we ta do we well? take that as, a, as an encouraging sign for Western Sydney in terms of the fan base? Um, if there's going to be a lot of overseas visitors to see Ono, yes. But otherwise, no. <laughs> Right, there was a lot of that traffic from in, uh, international. No, there was a fair amount from international, but there was it still would have probably still have been the biggest story of the month. Mm. Okay, I mean let's let's talk about I don't know because let's let's not get just totally yeah. wrapped up in Del Piero because in, in its own way this is a, another sort of landmark signing for the A League in that this is you know, the first true Asian marquee mm. with the profile that mm. you know and we know that that. that the cut through that football gets now in Japan and the, the huge media interest. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, the media interest was big from Japan around Del Piero. Now it's just been magnified even more by Ono. I mean, yeah. it, you know, where do you see this? Is, is this a sign, a, another sort of direction for the A-League to go in terms of going after some of the bigger names in Asia? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think more importantly, the TV deal uh, potentially is there. We saw this with Kazumiura when he came here. How how much Japanese fans love to support their own players in other countries. I was in Japan about five months ago, and I had a conversation with one of the guys in the JFA in the marketing department. And I said, you know, what, what would it take for Japanese fans to follow the A-League? And, and he, said, he said exactly the same thing. Buy a, a top-line Japanese player. You will get fans immediately. It's as simple as that. So the club's going to get a, a really good bounce off this signing. I think he's a very good player, and there's so much focus on ADP that, um, you know, Heskey or Ono could, in fact, be at the end of the season, you know, they could be the most productive of the, of the, of the marquees, the, the, the trio of them. I think it is interesting how it's going to pan out because I think the, the reaction from Japan seemed to be when Ono's announcement was imminent that uh, maybe two years ago he would have been a cracking signing. Yeah. Not so much today. Uh, but, you know, he came off the plane and he looked in fantastic a form. He yeah. looked bloody fit, uh, seriously fit. So I think we're only going to be able to make those kind of judgment calls when we see him play. I do, however, in terms of attracting the local audience, think Sydney and Wanderers have got it the wrong way around. I think Ona would bring in a larger audience to Sydney mm -hmm. FC uh, and the Del Piero effect in the Wanderers would have just been huge. Absolutely massive. But let's remember that 
it, it's only a, it was only a matter of weeks since Lyle Gorman said that Western Sydney's policy was no oh. marquee yeah. <laughs> to oh, no, a mean, complete backflip once once Sydney signed uh, Del Piero, which was get as a marquee. You know, exactly, and acro- like, across, oh, no. across the A-League, the view was, nah, marquees, international marquees, overrated. Yeah. And they, they were Nobody in the market for Del Piero. They were, um, that's my understanding, is they, they were offered that player as well, but... Um, Sydney FC was the, the was the club for him. So, um, yeah, look, I, I don't know whether they handled that the right way, but um, interesting times. And I think Sydney FC have restaked a claim now for being the city's number one club again um, to knock out their rivals for the moment anyway. Right, well, let, let's talk Heskey. Um, obviously, my uh, judgment is clouded, but uh, <laughs> so I can't be impartial. this. No, I, in all seriousness, I, I think, you know... This is a guy that was playing Premier League last season, you know, and regularly stepping into the A-League. He, he'll have no issues with the physical nature or the physical challenge. And, and I personally think that he will benefit from being in a regional area like Newcastle because I think he'll have the potential to be a cult hero there that he wouldn't have been in Sydney or Melbourne. Yeah. And in Sydney or Melbourne, it would have been immediately about has he scored yet. Yeah. Whereas I think up there, if he's don't, you know, having... Seen him with his wife and, and kids at the, you know, at the launch. They seem to have already sort of settled in. Yeah. He's got Michael Bridges acting as his sort of, you know, introducing him. And we know how Michael Bridges has integrated into the sort of landscape up there. Oh, he's got yeah. a restaurant up there, hasn't he? That's yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah, you know, so if he, if he does the right things in terms of, you know, integrating into the community, he could become a real mm. cult. There, and you're right, they'll give him time. I mean, they gave Jardel so much time before they started to realise that he was a, an overweight, overpaid... Until they couldn't see anyone else on the <laughs> anyone pitch. Anyone on the pitch. <laughs> so I think they will give him time, and I think he, I think he'll suit the way they play. Um, physically, you're right. I mean, no problem whatsoever with some of the big defenders. They'll play a 4-3-3, I think. Two players on either side of him, he'll hold it up. Happy days. No, I think it's going to be exciting to see him uh, come into the, the early because... You know, I think there will be a level of expectation of failure for him, given his, his past history. Uh, and as a result, he's on. He's been a no lose situation. I think. You know, if if he doesn't perform, then everybody's going to say, well, said that said that anyway. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, and it's easy to forget that. You know, I, I can remember when Heskey broke through at Leicester as a sort of you know eighteen, nineteen year old. He was the hottest striker in English football. He was big, he was powerful, he took players on. He scored goals from 25 yards. And it was only really when he went to Liverpool and teamed up with Owen that he sort of played that provider rather than being the figure, you know, being the yeah. goal scorer. Yeah. And did that then took over and he's what people now know him for as, as a non-scoring centre-forward. But he, he was not always like that. Maybe coming in this level... He'll then sort of find that confidence again yeah. and be the figurehead. Yeah. And look, the, the style will suit him. They're, they're a very forward-thinking team. They'll play a very attractive brand. And he'll be the figurehead right up front. So I think, I think it'll suit him playing for, for Dutchie. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the inevitable problem is with all the, the marquees is they're just going to get marked out of, out of the game. That's the problem and hacked down uh, wherever possible. But Heskey, more than any, I think is capable of you know, bouncing off any defender. But you saw him the other day, how big he is. Oh, I mean, he's, he's, he's a solid unit. He yeah. really is. I also think, you know, thinking about this, is that, is that one of the best things about this sort of recruitment and the three big names that have come is that they haven't gone to the most successful or, or biggest supported clubs. Mm. You know, so they, they haven't gone to Melbourne Victory, who yeah. get the biggest crowds. They haven't gone to Perth. They haven't gone to the Mariners. They haven't gone to Brisbane. So potentially, it, this is gearing up. We're going to talk club by club in the second part. But as the most hotly contested season yet. Yeah. 
Yeah. Remember when Flores was the biggest signing of the A-League season? Yeah. Season? And we haven't even spoken about Flores. I mean, yeah. he's a marquee signing. Yep. You, you could say four, really. I, I think he's up there with... Oh, I, I think so as well. Quality. But in terms of international reputation, he's sure. not even on the radar. I mean, even the, the radar, Sun in the UK were covering it. We know that because we saw you on the Sun <laughs> coverage, Kevin. Kev's mug on the freeze frame <laughs> of the video of Heskey's arrival. <laughs> oh, no, I think was the headline. Yeah, um. <laughs> uh, no, that was, that was Shinji. Um, yes, we need... Uh, it's... It has been bizarre this last month. I tell you, I, I still wish we had Kuehl back in the league, though, to be honest. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think he would have been a great... Yeah. To still have clubless. that balance across from you know yeah. Victoria up to New South Wales uh, would be fantastic for the, the game. Yeah. Although I think Flores is probably going to have a, a bigger impact than, than Harry may have had this season. But yeah, I, I agree. I'd love to... I mean, I'm a fan of Harry, so I'm, yeah. you know, I'd love to uh, see him playing here, but that's obviously not happening. It's a shame. you know. I think he yeah. is in a position where he's going to end up doing a ballot and... I'm just quietly retire after being unable to find mm. a club. It's very sad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can just remember watching the press conference of Del Piero thinking, hey, like, this is a landmark moment with Fox Sports News showing a press conference in Italian <laughs> <laughs> for half an hour. Exactly. Staying then, with but I also I just remember watching it. I remember, like, saying to my wife, like, she's like, she's like so, so who is this guy then? He's like, quite good looking, isn't he? I was like, yeah. And I was telling him I couldn't quite believe that it was happening. Yeah. That Alessandro Del Piero, just five days before it was not even mentioned, mm. had signed and was coming in. You know? So can we all thank Banias, I think? We just got to thank Banias. <laughs> I'm now supporting Banias. Um, but also, um, we haven't even spoken about the fact that the Sydney Morning Herald decided to print their back page in Italian. Yep. In Italian, calling it Gazzetta della, del Piero. I think the, the only surprising thing in that... the Sydney Morning Herald. The, the only surprising thing that I cannot believe hasn't happened yet is the... Uh, is the introduction of Del Piero to Norton Street as a big PR opportunity. See, actually, I mean, where I think Sydney have gone wrong is they've gone for the dollar signs for that Perth Glory match, which they've moved to the NZ. But they had to move it yeah, there. I know they had to move they it there. They had to move it there, away from the SFS. Why not play it at Leichhardt? Absolute huge sellout. Though. Huge sellout. Huge crowds outside the stadium. Tickets would be in demand like nobody's business. ANZ, it's never going to be a seller. It's, they're always going to be able to get a ticket. Like Hart, they would have been queuing around the block to get a ticket for that. What's the, what's the capacity there? I mean, oh, it's only about 15,000. Yeah, I, well, I guess that's fine because if you've got 10,000 members, you've only actually got 5,000 yeah. tickets to sell. Yeah, mm. and you know, create the demand. Make that the ticket you have to have. That's what we should be aiming for. Instead of, oh, ANZ, everybody can get a ticket, everybody can come, and nobody does. Mm. Oh, look. Uh, I think it was a missed opportunity, but you know it's, that's the small, small thing. Uh, other and than that, well, look, I mean, I think I've done some mistake on how many Juventus shirts will be in the crowd next Saturday at the SFS. Oh, 20 twenty, thirty percent at least. I think they're going <laughs> to join the Cove, all of those boys. So that's great. Um, can't wait to see the Cove uh, for the first home game. We're, I'm going to be in the Cove, so um, bring it on. Mm. All right, that's it for part one. We will be back shortly in part two, where we'll do a quick sort of trip around the clubs and, and talk in a bit more detail club by club on their 
recruitments and chances for the uh, the season that's about to kick off. Alessandro Del Piero has arrived down under, and the biggest signing in the history of Australian football sat down with us in his first major magazine interview. We also catch up with Wayne Rooney as he looks to lead Man United back to the top of the EPL. Look back on the first 20 years of the UEFA Champions League and find out how you and three mates could be heading off to London to report on a Chelsea Champions League game thanks to Adidas. Can Barcelona continue to dominate after the departure of Pep Guardiola? And we attempt to answer the age-old debate about which league is the best in the world. If you live, sleep and breathe football, then you need 442. On sale 10th of October at all good news agents and the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this first 442 Insider of the new A-League season. We're going to do a quick tour around the clubs, talk uh, chances, recruitment, uh, what's in store for fans of those sides. Let's kick off alphabetical order. Adelaide United. Quick, uh, not obviously about last night, Adelaide going out in extra time mm. uh, to Bunyokur of mm. Uzbekistan in the Asian Champions League. Um, yeah, again though, Adelaide consistently the the only Australian team to really get out of the group stages. Yeah, it seems to uh, ACL seems to lend itself to their style of play uh, more, far more than the A League does, which is bizarre. In terms of uh, what's coming up ahead in the season for them, they do a marvelous job of alienating the best players, don't they? I mean, Flores got the arse. Now Sergio Van Dyke's apparently on the outer. They've made it clear that he can go anytime he wants if he can sort himself out a decent uh, move. Uh, why would you do that? The results just plummet. It can't be good for the team morale. They're not bringing in quality replacements. Um, I know Adelaide new owners came in with the, the intention of making a profit from day one, and clearly that's what they're trying to do, but selling off the family silver all the time and not replacing it with anything worthwhile. That's madness. I, mean, I think the key thing is can they make the finals this season? I, I think they're going to struggle. Well, they finished ninth last season. Yeah. So. And of course, the first game this weekend is coming off the back of a, a very tiring game in Uzbekistan. So they'll only arrive back in the country probably maybe Friday and then they go to Newcastle. So that's going to be very difficult for them facing Heskey's Jets. So uh, it'll be a tough start, but I just sense that there's probably not enough quality there anymore. And. Um, uh, you know, Cosy is still, I think, has to sort of prove himself to be up there with the changing developments in coaching. So I think they're going to have a tough season. But one or two players there, I quite like this Kariska. Um, I think he might be a bit of a find. Um, and Galekovic still, to me, is one of the best. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. But, you know, but I, I agree. I think at the end of the day, what's so substantially changed from last season that's made them better? I can't see anything. I, I don't think. Well, so, yeah, care, two, two new signings. Big seasons for the likes of. Vidasic and Gita, you know, two fringe soccerers that sort of yeah, dropped out of contention. Yeah, both, both of them are guys who a lot was expected of. Yeah. And fair to say, they haven't developed in the way that we might have hoped. Uh, Gita especially, I really liked the look of him as a, a youngster. And it just faded into obscurity. Vidasic, not so much. I mean, he's he's a, a marquee man for them. Uh, and I think still has the potential, if he can shrug off his injuries and uh, keep fit this season then hopefully we'll see the best of him. I think he was playing with, with an injury almost all last season. Mm. He had a variety of injuries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if he can come back, he's got a lot to prove uh, and get himself back in Socceroos contention because we need him. You know, we, yeah. need, we need a player like him in yeah. Socceroos, young. So, Ado, on the you know, ninth last season, what's going to be the key for Adelaide this year to improve on that? 
I think I think Kev's uh, you know focus on GT and, and Vidasic is, is really important. I think if they have good seasons, they're going to do okay. But I just don't think overall there's enough um, creativity in that team. Uh, Karuska is going to be good though. Um, I think he's going to he's going to do reasonably well in this league. But um, I think for them, they don't really have a combination up front that's really working. I always thought that the GT and Burns combination was their best combination. Of the last few years, uh, Van Dijk. I don't know where he'll be this season. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, and he's obviously another key man. But I just sense that there's not enough quality in that squad. Right well, you, know, you need to look at last year. Van Dijk was their leading scorer with eight. Yeah. To sort of see where their problem look, lies. Look, Van, I mean, also Van Dijk last, is last a season. leading scorer every year. Yeah. Uh, for him to only get eight, he does 25 every two years almost. I think is his average uh, with each club that he's been with. He is one of our legends off the A-League. He's never, ever celebrated the way he should be. He is a fantastic yeah. player, a fantastic striker, and he should have been in demand. break the bank to keep him at Brisbane. Yeah. I think that was the Absolutely, the yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the two imports that they've brought in, they're going to be key. If, if they turn out to be fantastic finds, Adelaide could have a great season. If they turn out to be the average import that we've come to expect uh, from Adelaide... Uh, I don't see them improving on nine, and I can see them getting worse. Mm. Okay. All right, on to Brisbane. Um, last season, finished second behind the Mariners uh, in the uh, home and away league, and then obviously went on to uh, become back-to-back champions, winning the uh, grand final in a controversial manner, shall mm. we say. We won't go back there again. But uh, new coach at the helm, Rado Vilicic, has, has served his time there um, as the number two, now steps up to take the main job. Um Aido, how do you think he's going to do? Um, well, I think uh, I think most of the uh, the managers and the players believe that they'll I think they'll they'll win it again. I, I don't think they'll win it again. Um, I, I think that Ange was the motivator, and I think without that factor, I think it's going to be hard in the clinches to to win the big games. I think they're going to be in the finals. They're one of my finals teams, but I just sense that the the, the trophy will go elsewhere this year. But um, fantastic squad still. And they'll be right up there. Um, yeah, and, and also slight, perhaps a slight tweak to the formation, maybe a second number six that they're talking about, which I saw in Japan when they did their first training session over there for the ACL, where it wasn't just um, uh, partly sitting in the middle there and just distributing 100 balls a game. It's going to be a second one, I think, that he's mm. going to play there. So, so more defensive? Session? Well, on paper it's more defensive, but it uh, depends on the instructions to the second number six. If you sounds get like, sounds like back, the worst of pin... The Pim era. I hope well, it depends. Eh? It depends whether you're playing a, you know, a four-two-three-one or a, or a four-three-three with your yeah. sort yeah. of six and eight playing behind a number ten, a, you know, a, a true number ten, mm. but, which Browich obviously is. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, you know, a few ins and outs. Uh, Adnan's gone. Um, Nakajima Ferran's gone. Andrew Redmayne has gone. Um, and do we see that being an issue for them? I mean, by and large, it's the nucleus of the squad that's been successful. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think they, they were, with the exception of maybe Adnan, they were fairly minor players with the, within the squad. Mm. Issy Ferran probably was not given the chance that he should have done. I thought he was a good player when we saw him. But, but I think Halloran's coming. I think he'll be a, t- a yeah, player. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same squad as uh, took them th- to the title last season. I think it all depends on Rado, to be honest, you know, uh, what he can bring, how well he replaces Ange. Um, I would be very surprised if they make it three in a row just because 
I'm not saying it's a it, Rado's going to be a bad manager. I just think that the change mm. is going to get in the way. And also, the league is stronger, I, and I think, yeah. I think you look at other teams as well. It's, it's not just the Mariners like they've had to yeah. play against the last couple of years. I think there'll, there'll be other teams. I too. think they'll be in contention. I can see a top four finish for them quite easily. Yeah. But uh, I'd be surprised if they won any titles this season. Okay. All right, Central Coast Mariners, perennial overachievers in the A-League. Uh, <laughs> You'll have uh, Arnie on your back for that. What, perennial overachievers? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Like that's, that's an word. insult. That's yeah. an insult. All right, <laughs> come and get me. Um, again, you know, we're talking about a season starting where, you, you know, most people probably wouldn't be tipping the Mariners to win it um, in light of higher profile recruitment by other teams and other it's the start for the new season we say that every year <laughs> we did it last year no we just tipped tip the Mariners to win it yeah. last year that's because you were trying yeah. to keep in with Arnie <laughs> weren't you wasn't it yeah. scared of a man just like to be tipped to win it but look talking to some of the guys who watched them play Melbourne Victory up at Knox Grammar in a friendly really well organised shapes great Rogic and Abini are going to have a fantastic season I'm a huge fan of the boy Rogic yeah. Um, then our Nike Chance star yeah. um, and I think they're going to have a terrific season but they do have ACL commitments at the end of the season like Brisbane do which is another factor I think that'll go into the fact that they may just this time fall short particularly if they sell one or two players in January which they tend to do every season it depends whether the Russians come in or not oh, the two weeks two still? weeks two weeks oh, okay. they'll be here You've two been, weeks how long have we been saying that? Um, six months eight months ten months eight, ten, ten months, months ten months, ten months. Ten months. No. no the issue with the Mariners is the same issue that they had from January. They've got no strike force. I still don't think. I can't see where the goals are going to come from. They are very well uh, drilled. They, they keep the shape. They play nice football. At the uh, the pointy end where it matters, uh, they're lacking. Uh, unless what about Bernie? I mean, well, Bernie's gonna the, the Bernie reliance has been on Bernie all of mm-hmm. the end of last season, and it wasn't there. Whether he can step that up this season, I don't know. He is super fast. But it's where his finishing is that, that seems to be the problem. And I saw the, the trial game that they played against the Jets a couple of weeks back. Uh, again, super efficient, great play. They lost 2-1. They couldn't score goals. You know, um, I'd, I'm concerned for the, the goal scoring. They, they needed to find a goal scorer. They've not got one. And what about Zorensa, like 38 this 38. season? Uh, and still looking 26-27. You know, he, he's, a, he's, he's a freak. got a picture in the book. Yeah, first, first season that the uh, Mariners would kick off in the A-League without Alex Wilkinson, foundation yeah. captain. Yeah. Yeah. Replaced as captain by John Hutchinson. Yeah. Which I thought was quite an interesting move because isn't Nick Montgomery effectively well, yeah, hitting for his also, spot? I mean, John Hutchinson wasn't a guaranteed starter no. last season. No, exactly. He played, yeah. came off the bench a lot of times. Maybe it's more in terms of the, the unity. I would have thought Spansfy would have been a I would have a very choice. obvious choice for me, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, presumably you play your captain pretty regularly, though, don't you? So is he going to play two holding midfielders, Montgomery and, and Hutchie? Very similar players. I, I'm very surprised yeah. all round to be... But I mean, it's funny, Hutch is, is does embody the Mariner spirit, I'll give him that. You know, he is perfect fit for a captain's role in every way, apart from the fact he might not be playing for mm-hmm. most of the games. And Montgomery signed as Del Piero signed, and he, Montgomery signing went completely under the radar. We were there. Yeah. We were there. We, were there. we, we caught the moment when he signed. Nobody right. cared, but we caught I think, it. Look, I, think, I think they're top four. <laughs> Definitely top four. Okay, well, we'll come to predictions later. Sorry, Arnie. All right, so uh, <laughs> Melbourne Hearts, first of the two Melbourne sides. Uh, 
third season for Melbourne Heart. Um, you know, is this a season where they kick on? Obviously, John Aloisi at the helm, big year for him. Mm. First foray into uh, into management. Obviously, he took the youth team last year and, and has been promoted to the top job. Mm. And do we see that as being a good move? I think it's a big move for him. I think this is going to be a very, very testing year. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, he's going to carry the uh, the Memdrakovic, uh legacy on his shoulders, uh, where you know the the rookie coach has to step up and take the big seat. I I don't know. I don't know. I've not seen him in action. I've not seen him as a coach. I've not seen him play his team play with him as coach. So I can't tell you what they're going to be like. I would think. Though it's a very, very swift rise for him uh, from you know being a player to being the head coach with barely a breath taken in between. Mm. I mean, I watched him coach it, the youth team last year when I was based in Melbourne last, last season. Now, I'm a big fan of him as a coach. Um, I think he's got a great way with the players. He loves to play that sort of uh, um, John Van Skip style football. He's basically the same style. It just feels to me like it's the start of Melbourne Hearts you know, it's it's like two years ago when they built a new team, a new coach. It's not for me. It's it's not as much of a develop, development as it's starting again. Mm. So, yeah. so they've lost so many players. I mean, Babal, Curtis, Good to the Premier League, uh, Hamill. I mean, they've lost a lot of players. So I think it's going to be two years of of uh, building again under under John. And I think it's there's twelve players over the yeah. so, uh, uh, change around over twelve. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. So it makes for a fascinating Melbourne derby on Friday night, which I'll be at. Cannot wait. Well, also, you know, we, let's let's touch on the you know the sales of Babaud and, and Curtis Good and Brendan Hamill. You know, they, they they made a point last I think it was two weeks ago saying that this has helped them balance the books and seems you know They're in their break second even. year yeah. and and you know part of their club philosophy and stated mission was to help an Australian player get to the Premier League within five years. They've done it after two, you know. So so they're ticking a lot of boxes and you know and I think that what what I think Melbourne Hart are doing well is. They're not sort of going boom or bust, you know. They're, they've not, you know, they're building slowly, steadily. They're, they're renowned for their work in the community. They're very sort of social media savvy. They're, they're doing everything. They're putting the building blocks in place, and they're not overreaching in terms of financially. And I, and I think, you know, they're, they're, in terms of expansion club. It's so that it can be done. I think about the hundred-year vision of we want to be around in yeah, hundred years. Yeah. Absolutely spot on. And I, I'm being in Melbourne. I can tell you that they were fantastic with their community. The stuff they did that you would see shirts a lot of, in a lot of hotels and pubs. Their shirt was up. They were really good, and I think they're building if the you, future. If you, if you take Heart as being, if you take the A League as being a development league, yeah. then Heart are the archetypal A League club. You know, great development uh, club they're bringing young players in they're taking them on giving them skills and selling them on to bigger leagues they're taking the coaches from in-house yeah and I was, developing you know, I'm sure that's what I was going to say you know, they, they would see John yeah. Aloysius promotion and then play their role within, in developing young Australian the it's interesting it's a, but Lynch wrote for the magazine a very interesting piece about the, the most inexperienced daily coaching team is, is at Melbourne Heart with Foxy um, Joe Didalico and Joe Palacides, I think it is, in mm. that coaching rank, with Ron Smith as the sort of the uh, guru, the guru on the other the end of the, oh, on the other end of a Skype line. Consult the Oracle. <laughs> but you know, um, I think great development, but in terms of success, 
in terms of titles. I think they're a good few years away from that. And also, I don't think they that. have the second Melbourne derby as their home game this year. They were given two Melbourne derbies yeah, that, to and help that's them. It's obviously helped their average of ten. I mean, but their average nine, just over nine thousand last year. Yeah, but that was largely due to it, the Melbourne victory large, games. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting when Del Piero comes. How many they get for that game because they need those extra attendances to, to help. Well, I, I think, think yeah, it will go down again, slightly. Talking about the, the the added benefits of the three signings, it benefits every club in the league. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Del Piero, you know, they might not have Melbourne Victory twice this year, but they might have Sydney twice, or they yeah. might have yeah. Heskey twice, or they might have Ono twice. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. Like, that that's that that to me is the real beauty of genuine marquee players. Yeah. Yeah. everybody benefits. I mean, ideally, absolutely. you want five marquees. In, yeah. the, in the league so that for you've got you know a marquee for uh, every a, yeah. game and there's so many Italian fans particularly Juventus fans in Melbourne they've got like an Italian shop in Ligon Street that's just for Italian they've got two of them actually there's so many Italians and I think that Melbourne Heart game will be uh, you know 10 to 15,000 Providing he doesn't get injured in the first game and has to be out for the rest of the season. Well, <laughs> Manny Musket, please. You know, we're hoping that he doesn't nobble him but we shall see. All right, moving on. Not really to the other side of Melbourne because it's the same stadium. <laughs> Moving into the next dressing room, more like uh, Melbourne Victory. Now, obviously, probably on a par with uh, with Marcus Flores. Uh, the biggest signing is is Ange Postecoglou mm. um, for Melbourne Victory. They they made a point of going after him. They got their man. Ange returns to Melbourne, scene of former triumphs as a player and a coach. Yeah, I know you were down there last year. Um, what does the future hold for Ange and, and Melbourne Victory? Can I just say, I, I love Ange. I do. I, I, there it is. There's yeah. the screen. <laughs> no, I mean, just having a chat to the... With Hashtag, I don't love that. <laughs> having a chat to him for, for the A-League issue, uh, and it went way beyond the 20 minutes that we normally get. And he, we spoke about tactics and, you know, false number nines, and which I understand he may even be trialling. Um, he's just a ter- terrific mind, a really uh, inventive coach... Paul Trimboli is key to the whole thing. He's the man behind the scenes who will do a lot of other work. Um, hugely exciting times for Melbourne Victory. They've got the coach they always wanted. Um, he's going to bring some of the South Melbourne fans across because, of course, South Melbourne is the club that he really made his name at. So um, just cannot wait to see see them in action tomorrow night and see how they play and see Flores play. Uh, uh, and I am actually tipping them to... to I think they will win it this year. I mean, yeah, certainly, Kev, when Brisbane were on their mammoth unbeaten streak, you know, winning a championship going, was it in the end, 34 games, 38 mm-hmm. games? Six, six, um, unbeaten. Part of you was always thinking, what would the crowds be at Melbourne mm-hmm. Victory if, oh, if Melbourne Victory yeah. were on this sort of role? Yeah. You know, they'd be averaging 30,000. Now they get the chance. You know, the best supported club in the A probably has the most successful Australian coach in, in A League history down there. If he can reproduce what he did at Brisbane, this, this is a potentially a fantastic formula. It is. It's a big test for him. Um, I understand that he's going for the, the strikeless approach, the rotating number nines, and uh, to see how that works. Mm. Um, I still think, though, that the defence is iffy for victory, uh, and the fullbacks are iffy for victory. I. I think that's going to be the their Achilles' heel, uh, and it's going to ha- they're going to have to just score more than the opposition to win the games, uh, because I think there could be some high-scoring games. And I'm not sure they've necessarily got the firepower up front even to do that. 
Uh, I think you know they, they they can they can score. They've got the the, the quality to win two nil games. That would be fine. But if they're conceding one or two each match, they're going to have to really work hard to, to win those games. And I think that's where it's going to be a bit of a test for them. In terms of Ange, I think he's if anybody's going to take victory to uh, a long, long term of success, it's going to be him. Okay. I, I can see him staying in that job for a long time. Yeah, I know. Uh, Until media, the come media favourite Marcus Flores. Well, you got a lot of time for him. Um, yeah, interesting time. You know, obviously came back, went to the biggest, you know, the best supported club. Probably saw himself for quite a while as being the star attraction. Now, I guess you know, does this sort of turn up the pressure on him a little bit, or will he relish this? Say, right, okay, I, I can now get on a pitch and mix it with Del Piero and. People like that, you know, it, it, that maybe that's going to be the, the little extra sort of heat under the the pot for him. He's ready. He he loves he loves it here. He's in his prime now. He feels that he's, the next two three years will be his best years. He'll love it. He loves football and he'll love to have Del Piero in the league and Heskey to a less degree and Ono as well. Real playmakers there. Um, this guy, Flores, is going to have a cracking season. I think uh, Brebner was talking about playing against victory for, for Moreland, and he said that I had to mark the, sort of, the space in front of the back four, and Finkler and Flores were playing around him. And he said after the game, I still don't know what positions they were playing because he was just run ragged all night. Um, yeah, no, this is, this is going to be his season. OK, cool. Newcastle Jets, seventh position last year. Uh, we've talked about Heskey uh, and the effect that he may have uh, up there. Uh, Gary Van Egmond uh, taking charge yet again. Kev, is Heskey enough? It, he isn't actually enough in himself, but they have recruited quietly, cheaply, quite well. They've brought it cheekily or cheap? che- cheaply? Cheaply, cheaply. Uh, they've brought in a few of the uh, the Gold Coast United discards uh, and. They are, you know, they've picked the the cream of the bunch there, uh, the cream of the crop. Um, I can see Newcastle actually doing surprisingly well. Before Heskey arrived, I thought maybe, you know, six, fifth or six. Uh, with the Heskey factor, I can see them catapulting up to, you know, maybe third, possibly even second, but I, certainly top four, I reckon. Okay, and uh, obviously, you know, it, there were issues off the pitch with the Jets last year. Um, with Nathan Tinkler, the on again, off again, salvaged by Frank's, you know, midnight dash up to meet him on an airstrip somewhere. Um, that all seems to have settled down again. Um, yeah, they're on track, I believe. I think I saw a tweet this morning that they've they've broken through eleven thousand members now. Oh, they've actually got. That I think already. so. I'm sure it was either ten thousand or eleven thousand. Well, they, were, oh, they got through ten thousand on Monday. I think yeah. it was. I think it's eleven now. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Heskey has given that a little bit of a little bit of a push, so they'll be well supported. They averaged uh, 12,000 per game last mm. year. I mean, it is a bit of a concern that Nathan Tinkler now lives uh, somewhat in exile in Singapore, so I don't exactly know what the situation is, but I mean, for me, you were talking about Melbourne Hart before, Craig Goodwin is one player to look out for at Newcastle. A really good left-back. He would have been at Melbourne Hart had, had it not been for Aziz Behich, so um, he's one to really look out for. I think he really stood out in that Sydney FC trial game at Leichhardt. Kev... Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, I think they're one of the seven teams that can make the six for me. Hmm. Okay. Perth, beaten grand finalists last year. Um, again, you know, relatively steady squad. few mm-hmm. sort of uh, 
recruitments in, you know, like Sir Scott Jameson, Michael Thwaite, Nick Ward's gone back there, um, back to sort of where he started and probably played his best football in the A-League. Um, Full stop, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, do we see them challenging again this year? I mean, obviously in Shane Smeltz, they've got the one thing that a lot of A-League teams lack, which is guaranteed goals. I mean, yep. 17 goals last season um, is, a, is a phenomenal return at, at any level. Um, and again, as, when we're talking about it, we're looking at a lot of the teams saying their issue is going to be scoring goals. Their top score last year was seven or eight. Mm. To then have a guy that can score seven, 15 to 20 goals a season at this level really can be the difference. So, and do we see that still being significant, Ayla? Yeah, absolutely. And Smeltz doesn't lose that quality at all. Um, and there's a massive focus on this first round game against uh, Brisbane. The grand Norman. final rematch. I mean, the, the, the amount of TV ads they're running over there, they're saturating that market mm. with that ad for that game. That That's going to be played at Patterson Stadium. Um, I think Fergie's recruit, recruited well. He's got some younger players in, pacier players. He's got rid of a, a bit of Deadwood. Um, basically, it's the same team, the same style of football, Kev. Uh, Jack, I think they are going to be right up there again. Um, can they win it? It's hard to say, but they'll definitely be top four. Yeah, it's and interesting. Chris Harold too, I've got to say, will be a great addition. Yeah, it's interesting what Perth have done because they have, they've had a budget squeeze. Uh, Tony Sage has finally, yeah. you know, pulled in the, the purse strings a little bit. But the way they've reacted is the way that they should have done years ago. They have cut out the deadwood, as Ada was saying. You know, a lot of players there that weren't contributing anymore. Uh, Sakura. I mean, Sakura, I was amazed it was actually still on the books. Well, I went to training there about five or six months ago, and he, he, was, he was still with the club, and he hadn't played with them. No. It was a long-term injury. I think, I think they had to wait till his contract ended, and then, yeah, and Coin as well, so... But yeah, uh, so hopefully this is a new era for them in terms of you know the, the playing squad. That it's players who are actually going to contribute to the side on a regular basis and be youthful. And also, I think I think Fergie's got that two-year contract in the back pocket now. So I think there's a element of stability about the place. Um, I think they'll do really well. It's smelts. It's, it's it's as you say though. I mean, smelts is your passport to the finals. Yeah. Uh, and so should have been Sergio Van Dijk. The two of them, the legends of the league, absolute huge strikers. Mm. If you can get them. You should be in the finals without any doubt whatsoever. Okay, I'm just racking these up. I think that's seven teams you've got in the finals. The <laughs> no, moment. no, no. I, I've, I've got no, three. Yeah, that top six. Be... That's okay. top six. <laughs> seven for six. All right, Sydney FC. Uh, obviously, all the talk has been about uh, a certain Italian. Uh, we've got a new coach, Ian Crook. Um, we've got the marquee man from, from last season who, to, to be fair to him, played probably the second half of the season mm. carrying an injury, which is now at an operation. And do we think that, you know, I always felt that, that that sort of lead marquee role never really sat comfortably with Brett Emerton. You know, he's not the most, you know, he's quite a shy guy. He's not the, and I actually think Del Piero taking that spotlight away, both on and off the pitch, could end up being sort of a real benefit for Sydney and that Brett Emerton can just get on with playing his game. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think when you speak to, I sp- spoke to Brett's dad, some time ago, and he said that Brett will walk into a room and just want to stand in the corner and not have any attention on him. So I totally agree. I think Emma is going to have a cracking season. He'll enjoy the fact that nobody's talking about him except, you know, in, in general previews. It's all going to be ADP. Oh, yeah. they're, they're going to... I still think they need another month of pre-season. I yeah, think I'm, games. Still, I'm still also concerned of where the supply is going to come to come from for uh, Del Piero. With... A, a player like Carl obviously had to be the, the sacrifice to get Del Piero in. 
but he would have been key to supplying Del Piero uh, if uh, he'd managed to stay on the same side. Emerson, you know, is going to be very useful from coming up the wings, and uh, but he's still not going to be the the key playmaker that they, they need in behind to to set Del Piero up. So I'm just not necessarily convinced he's going to have as much impact on the field as we hope. He's going to have to do a lot more work by himself. I think he's going to have to play a bit deeper and bring the ball up himself. Okay. Um, Ian Crook mm. had obviously replaced Vitislav uh, Levitsko, who left mm. after three years. Uh, you know, and, and particularly last season, you know, often the football was quite laboured. Much was made of the, the age of the Sydney squad. Um, Crook, with the exception of Del Piero, has recruited at the younger end of town. Um, you know, and retains the likes of Terry Antonis, Kianese, mm. Malia, Petratos, all still there. So, mm. do we see, you know, a change in Sydney's style? It, it's been a stated objective of, of Pinata and Scott Barlow that mm. they want a more open, more attacking, mm. you know, faster yeah. Sydney FC to to really sort of grab the public's attention. Mm. Well, Crookie wouldn't have got the job if he if he if he wasn't stating that, and he's he's showing that he's going to do that. Um, yeah, it's a younger squad. It's a much more mobile squad, and it's got a plan B. I think last season they, they played one way, and I think it was hard for them to adapt when they couldn't get success that way. So Vichy, we all love Vichy, but I think Crookie's going to have a lot of success with this team over time, and he needs time. I think every coach needs time, particularly somebody like Crookie who's trying to build a team around a superstar as well. Um, I think they'll end up playing some sort of version of a 4-1-3-2. Um, I think Kruna Lovrek and perhaps Kianese will be front, and then perhaps Del Piero sitting in just behind so he can work with them. Loverick's a terrific player. Yeah. Have, you, have you seen anything in the training of the, the Panamanian? Not a lot, so, not a lot. So, uh, um, uh, Yaru, Yaru, Yaru. Not a lot, he's young, he's uh, quite, quite quick. Uh, ironically, Wellington have signed a Panamanian as well, so for the first mm. time we've got two Panamanians in the league. Um, but look, I think... Uh, Not many I, leagues outside of Panama can claim that either, no, I'd imagine. No, so another country for the A-League. <laughs> I think maybe Ali Abbas left, Mo right, and then, you know, perhaps uh, Del Perro in the centre, and then maybe either Terry McLean or Terry Antonis sitting there, be just behind, mm. and then two strikers. So it'll be a pretty offensive side. And then, and then Fabio left, and, and I think Trent McLenahan's playing central this weekend with, with Griffo and the right back, you, you, you'd imagine, being Seb Ryle and mm. a, a good keeper in Ivan Nicheski. Mm. OK. All right, Wellington Phoenix. Uh, finished fourth last season, made the minor semi-final. Um, you know, again, another team that, that's not sort of recruited spectacularly, few sort of ins and outs, uh, likes of Tim Brown has departed, Chris Greenacre has moved into the coaching ranks. 4 for 2 is Chris Greenacre. 4 for 2 is yes. Chris Greenacre. Um, you see sort of Paul Eiffel being their talisman again, is, mm-hmm. that, is that a concern, Kev? I reckon it's a huge concern for them. Uh, uh, there is consistency, which is a good thing, and there is letting, just relying on the same people year in, year out, until the point comes when they're too old to do the job that you'd hope, hope that they uh, would do for you and I think we might be at that stage with Paul Eiffel uh, I've not got the stats to hand but I've got a feeling he was missing a few games last season Yeah. Uh, and I can only see that situation getting worse this season and without him it's looking a bit thin I think the squad well, I disagree and I'll tell you why I think they've brought in players of the likes of Brocky Stein 
Hushumans, I can't pronounce his name, but he's the Belgian international, plus Louis Fenton's coming in as well. Mm-hmm. I think they've, they've looked at the situation exactly like that and they've gone, we can't rely on Eiffel anymore. In fact, he's coming back from an injury this weekend and mm-hmm. I think he'll probably sit on the bench and come on late. So I think they'll probably play Brocky and Hushkemans up front with Fenton wide. See, uh, Brocky had a few very, very good goals for Newcastle last season. But generally speaking, I don't, he's not a striker I would rely on. He's not a striker I would have put in my uh, fantasy football team. Mm, I th- yeah, look, I, th- I think he's had a good pre-season. And they've had an interesting pre-season because they went to India, just as Perth Glory went to South Africa. They're very interesting off-seasons for the two widest locations in the A-League. Uh, no, I think they've had a solid off-season. And, and, and yet again, they'll make the finals. I don't know how many teams have gotten the finals. That's eight. Eight. <laughs> All right. Uh, final team and the, the new entry this season, Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, obviously, uh, buoyed by the signing of uh, Japanese midfielder Shinji Ono. But before that, we were looking at them starting the season without a marquee. Uh, Tony Popovich, obviously, back. Um, for his first, he was assistant at Sydney FC before heading over to Crystal Palace. He's, he, another recently retired ex-Socceroo, mm. taking the helm for the first time. Um, Aida, you interviewed him recently. Yeah, yeah, a big, lot of time for Popper. Um, it's going to be a tough season for them. Uh, Aaron Moy is going to have a good season though. Shinji Ono sitting in front of him. Um, for me, I just want them to be a success off the pitch. I really, Look, I'm not that bothered about how they go on the pitch. I just want the team to have a fan base of ten thousand plus. Don't, don't the two sort of go hand in hand though? You no, know, I don't think they do. To maintain I don't that do. success off the pitch if yeah. the team isn't performing on the pitch. I, th- I think it'd be unfair. But I think, it, I think it'll be difficult to have success in terms of finals. I think it'd be unfair to judge Wanderers on t- in terms of success this season. I think you know there are other. KPIs, as they say these days, that need to be it's reached. Very FFA, it it is, is, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've uh, been with the FFA this week. ROI, isn't it? All the stakeholders happy. Yeah. <laughs> Return no. on investment, Kev. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I think there's other other key indicators that we should be looking at for them uh, for in terms of success this season. And yeah, I don't think results are necessarily going to be one of their best strengths. Mm-hmm. Although um, Tarek, not captain, Beecham captain, a bit of a surprise for me. Yeah, but huge one for me actually. Given Tarek's the face of the club, I mean, it's a, it's a, you, you sort of look at their squad with the exception of Ono and, and Aaron Moy, who's obviously come back from from Europe, and it's a mm. bit of a sort of mix and match of sort of you know A League nearly men over the last sort of three seasons uh, yeah, coming together. It, it's maybe it's that might be maybe that they've, they've all got something to prove. Well, that's <laughs> what Popper has said. He said that you know these are not bad players, but they do have something to prove to people who've written them. Yeah, off. you got Beach on <laughs> Beach and Topper Stanley, Shannon Cole, Tarek Elwich, Reese Carr, Adam Deputso, you know, Ante Kovic, you know, all player Mark Bridge, Taj Minakon, Labano Haliti, all players that have been deemed. Surplus to requirements of other yeah, elite teams and that coming together. I actually don't have a problem with the squad. I think you know, in terms of the squad and what they've been able to throw to put together, it's a it's a pretty strong squad. And they've just had Joey Gibbs to that as well, who's had a great season down at Manly. He's scored four, four games in a pre-season, but got signed by Central Coast youth team, and now back at the yeah. No, suddenly I didn't quite understand how that happened, mm-hmm. to be honest. But uh, he, you know, he's a good addition as well. I think it's a, a good enough squad. I just think. You know, they're gonna have a. They've had a short time to get together. Mm. They've got other things to think about than just results. Uh, 
Beecham as captain, though, really did surprise me because, you know, he struggled to get game time in his last two clubs at the A-League. It's like Hutch. I'm just surprised. Having said that, I think they've got probably the best keeper in the league in Kovic, who'd left victory surprisingly. Uh, I think Carer, Reese Carer, is going to have a good season as well. Yep. And Moy too, Aaron Moy, has been outstanding in the pre-season games. So I think they'll be really competitive, but I think they may just miss the finals. Okay. Finally, right, that, not making the finals. That is a mammoth section. It was always going to be trying to cover 10 teams in, uh, <coughs> in about 20-odd minutes. I think we run over a bit. But we will be back after this break just to... Uh, just to wrap up recent Socceroos action, where we stand in the qualifying uh, path to Rio and uh, or to Brazil 2014, I should say, and uh, have a quick look forward at the squad that was announced this week that will head over to uh, compete against Iraq shortly. So join us after the break. When it comes to being tough, most Utes are just pretenders. Traditionally, it's also been hard to find a tough truck that's also comfortable, safe and nice to drive. All that has changed, however, with the Toyota Tundra now available from Performax International. With a smooth and powerful 5.7 litre V8 under the bonnet, the 4x4 Tundra offers a towing capacity up to 4,400 kilograms. Best of all, this is a truck that delivers on all fronts. Comfort, safety, security and adaptability. Check out the Toyota Tundra today at performaxinternational.com.au. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to part three of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to do a quick look at Socceroos action. Obviously, the the qualifying is... um, is, is not only underway, but we're in the thick of it. Um, lads, let's talk about the the shocking result, not just the result, but a really, really poor performance in Jordan last time out, uh, resulting in a in a defeat, which sort of leaves us up against it, really. Mm. What do you make of that? They're very lucky the whole ADP thing happened because it masked their result because there was so much media coverage on what was happening in the A-League that that didn't get that much coverage that it, that it should have. It was an awful performance. A lot of players who we've relied on in the past just didn't uh, stand up. Uh, and we're now left with this situation where, where we really do need to beat Iraq away to get this this qualifying back on track. So it's not a uh, crisis yet, but it's, it's getting very close. I think it is a crisis. I think it's been a long time coming, to be honest. Uh, Holger started so well with the Socceroos, started bringing in young players, and then at the beginning of this year abandoned that policy altogether and just started relying on tired old players, no innovation, and this is the price we're paying. You know, further down the line, we just got the new FIFA rankings out last night. We dropped nine places to 34. We're off the front page. I mean, you know, FIFA rankings, FIFA rankings. You know, England's number five, so who knows what that means. But it does reflect, in this particular case, our decline uh, in terms of uh, football ability. And it's too late. The the problem is it's too late to do anything about it. Holger's focusing on his World Cup bonus and trying to get to the World Cup because he gets a nice big bonus. He's not interested in developing players anymore. He said when he came in he was going to be developing players. He was up until the beginning of this year. He stopped, and now look at where we're at. But we've sort of reached the point now where... Priority number one has to be to qualify. You know, the, the time... Well, that's, it, that's what I'm saying. We're too late. Now, We're know, too so late. It should have been... Two points after three games, you know, <laughs> behind two points behind Jordan in Group B. You know, now we're almost at the point where, A, he'll have a massive bonus riding on Australia qualifying, and B, 
the, the thoughts of Australia not qualifying for the World Cup is, is you know, catastrophic now. I, I, having said that, we have had a rather unusual drawing that we've played Amman away, Jordan away and Iraq away, three oh, out look, of four. It's, I'm it's just, no, I'm just it's putting, no, a, yeah, on, putting a context to it. We've yeah, got the home games to come. It, it's the performances that we're putting in that are the, the, the key issue. We are not close to winning these games. That's the thing. You know, it's not a case of... Uh, okay, we we drew away from home or we lost away from home. We didn't come close to winning. We didn't come close to making an impression. Uh, and that's the concerning thing. This is an old side, and th- three press conferences in a row now, Holger has said, I'm going to read the riot act to these boys. I'm going to make sure they know that I'm not happy. Really? Because you keep calling them back up again. You keep giving Lucas the skipper's armband and giving him uh, a shot when he has been drenched dreadful for the last three games um, you know we, he needs to actually do something other than just drop Scott McDonald I know I mean, obviously Holger announced his squad um, was it yesterday yeah yesterday uh, Bresciano Bross Cahill Holland Holman Yedinak Jones Cruz Langerak McGowan Mackay Milligan Neal North or Rukovica Sorota Schwartz, Speranovic, Thompson, Valeri, Wiltshire. So this is to play Iraq on uh, a week on Tuesday in Doha. Uh, 5.15 kick-off. That'll be nice and chilly. Um, you know, and, and this is a must-win game now, really. I mean, lose this and we, you know, mm. Socceroos are really in trouble. Mm. And Iraq didn't get uh, that far off Japan when they played them as well. So it's not a bad uh, Iraqi side. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, um, I mean, I think Cruz should play. I think he has to play. Mm. I think of the, the newer players that are coming through, he's the one that's really starting to get some decent game time. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I, you know, I spoke to somebody who used to work for the Socceroos recently and, and the whole notion of playing a friendly before the Jordan game, he, he just scoffed at because, you know, he, in days gone by, we'd have a camp where we just solidly focus on the team and not some, pre- some friendly before it. So I really like the idea of having a camp before this game, which they are. Um, and <coughs> yeah, you're right. We we have to get three points. We can't sit back on this one. We have to win three, three points. And I like to see all come on as well. I think he gives us something that we don't have. Also, yeah. You know, I mean, let, let's look ahead. I know obviously Iraq is the next game, but then out of the, the, the last four games, so the second sort of round, if, if you like, of the the home and away. Obviously, Australia's still got to play Jordan, Iraq, and Amman at home, mm. and then uh, go away to Japan. I mean, Japan are, are, are almost out of sight already. Really, they're, they're six points clear of uh, Jordan, uh, having play, only played one game more. Um, just to look at the other group, I mean, the other group is, is tight as you like. Korea Republic are, uh, are top on seven points from three games. Then you've got Iran, Qatar and Lebanon uh, all on four. Now, Lebanon have played a game more. Mm. And then Uzbekistan back at the bottom on the second. So, I mean, the, the, the progress for me, obviously, is the top two teams from, from both groups qualify automatically. And then the third place teams play off uh, to then go into a, another playoff to reach the uh, mm. and that to other, reach the finals. That other playoff won't be against New Zealand. No. Because they play CONCACAF, so we're going to have to play... Potentially South America. So, yeah, I mean, looking at that, I mean, potentially we might have to play Iran in this sort of scenario. If they finish third, I'd rather play Qatar than Iran. Um, but we cannot finish outside the top two. It's It's going to be very, very difficult to qualify after that, so... Some very concerning <coughs> times. There's no excuse for us not finishing outside the top two. The top two should be our target. You know. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, with, you know, 
there just shouldn't be a plan B as far as that's concerned. Because I think if you, I think you might have to write off the Japan away game as well, particularly with the way Kagawa's playing. Um, so we have to get maximum points and get something in Doha, or it could be very, very tight for us. Only unfortunate thing about the Japan game, obviously, is that you know that that's sort of, if that was the last game or the second to last game, Japan had already qualified. You'd sort of think, well, you know, they might take the foot off the yeah, they might the take the foot off the gap, but they're likely potentially to need to win that game to qualify <coughs> yeah. with two games to spare. So, I mean, okay, we, we're talking about a regeneration that isn't happening that was promised. Who's missing? Who who is he oh, not look. picking that should be in this squad? I think Chris Hurd's one name. I think you know. You look at players like that, I think he should be playing. I think Babalge should be there. I mean, I think he's t- it's time for to have a go with Babalge. Yeah. And, and Josh yeah, Kennedy, to be fair, is still playing with a left bag, a proper left bag. We've been doing this for how many years now? Well, it looks like We've from had... the squad that Matt Mackay is going to be the left yeah, bag. Yeah, and he's not a left bag. Yeah. So Central who, midfield. Who's the left or back? Who, who would you pick? Right, we should have picked Josh Rose two years ago. Uh, that, that's a given. Now, OK, Josh Rose might be an iffy choice, but I still think he should be in the squad, give him a chance. And filling that as his badge, get him in there, uh, get him on the wing. Uh, let's see how he performs mm. there. And he's playing, he's now in, in, in his season, so he would be a, I yeah. think he would be an option, but there's been no word on, on him. Yeah, we just have to explore options instead of trying to shoehorn players into roles that they aren't designed for. <sighs> and Behage gets forward as well. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he's a yeah. fantastic yeah. marine yeah, fullback. Yeah. The other I'm not sure if he's got the international quality, but we only yeah, but there's only one way to there's only one way to find yeah. out. Play the bugger. The other area where the software has been struggling so far is is goals. Two goals in three games. Ado, throw some names at me that you'd like to see being given a chance up front. Well, look, oh. I, for me, I think Babalge is the long term solution. I think he he should be tried. He should have been tried against Scotland for a start, just to see how he goes. So. I think once Kennedy and Holman are back together, I think we should be okay. I think Holman's a key player for us. So I think I think the front two, it's still there's still goals in the front two, but yeah. if Kennedy's not playing. I think, I think we Babalge should. is the solution there. Yeah, I'd like to see Babalge given a shot as well. But I think you know we should be. Trying and they the bring other so options. much more when they're new to the team as well. Kennedy and Holman is a solution, but I don't think it's necessarily the best solution yet. We we shouldn't be afraid to explore other options, and this is where games like you know the Scotland match should have been. Yeah. Ideal training grounds for bringing on new players. And okay, we brought in Jason Davidson. But he's out again. Maybe didn't work so well there. Uh, no, he's out again. Oh, look, know. yeah. Um, but I, th- I think, like I said, the, the friendlies, we should be experimenting. We should be, you know, there and should I, be an evolution I, process there. But, you know, players like Richard Porter, why, why are we still waiting to see if he's going to uh, make any, be any good for the Socceroos? Uh, I mean, Richard Porter, we've been waiting. He's been interested in playing for the soccer is what five years? Mm. And he's still, is he still uh, playing in the Middle East? Where, where yeah, yeah, and yesterday the FFA admitted that Robbie Hooker is going to go out and have a word with him. Oh really? Yeah, okay. uh, but <laughs> his career is almost over now. He's in his thirties, I think, if I remember rightly. Okay, uh, but as yeah. I said, uh, that game is a week on Tuesday, and then there's a break until uh, March of next year. So really, we need to uh, to win this game, and then. Uh, Get it back on track, and then obviously four games uh, between that and qualification for Brazil 2014. All right, we're going to take another quick break, and then we'll be back in the final part of this 442 Insider podcast to preview round one of the A League quickly. 
Alessandro Del Piero has arrived down under, and the biggest signing in the history of Australian football sat down with us in his first major magazine interview. We also catch up with Wayne Rooney as he looks to lead Man United back to the top of the EPL. Look back on the first 20 years of the UEFA Champions League and find out how you and three mates could be heading off to London to report on a Chelsea Champions League game thanks to Adidas. Can Barcelona continue to dominate after the departure of Pep Guardiola? And we attempt to answer the age-old debate about which league is the best in the world. If you live, sleep and breathe football, then you need 442. On sale 10th of October at all good news agents and the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the final part of uh, our first 442 Insider of the new season. Right, round one kicks off 36 hours away. Melbourne Derby. Etihad Stadium. Ado, predictions. I'm going to go for a victory. Victory. I think there'll be 35 to 40,000 there. It'll be a cracking game. I just sense that victory got too much at the moment. I think Flores is going to play a key part. Um, and I think they're going to go on and do very well. So I'm picking victory for this one. Yeah, I'll go with victory as well. And I think it's going to be a great kickoff to the season. That's a yeah. good choice by the FFA for the first match. It's taken the, the, the pressure off the marquees uh, elsewhere mm. and given Wanderers time to, to get into the swing of things. Good good choice and should be a great match. And, but I still think victory win. Okay. Could be quite a humping as well. Ooh. Ooh, there we go. That's yeah. the sort of thing that will come back to haunt you next <laughs> week. <laughs> <laughs> Can we remember this? <laughs> well, humping. I've always got... I've always got my Technical little. Term. I've always got my little bet that I always have on for the first sort of four or five rounds of the A League, which is which is to basically back all the draws. I was about to say the rest of the game, the rest of the magic. Is always <laughs> first three or four rounds, everyone's finding their feet. A lot of draws. Um, I'm going to break ranks. I'm going to go over draw. I'm going to go Melbourne, huh. huff and puff a bit. Still finding their feet. You know, big crowd, a lot of expectation. Maybe one, one or two all. Mm. Okay. Okay. Saturday, two games. Westpac Stadium sees uh, what we hope, uh, what certainly Del Piero was saying he's ready for, which is uh, his debut in a Sydney FC shirt away at Wellington Phoenix. Mm. Two even sides. Um, I'm going for the draw on this one, 2 2. Replay of the finals, first round, yeah. of the first week of the finals last year, we saw Sydney. Uh, Sydney drop out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I'm going for the draw as well, but I don't think it'll be quite as many goals. Maybe 1-1. Yeah. They're expecting 15,000, which is good. Let's hope they get even more. Yeah, yeah I think two very evenly matched sides. So, uh, I can't Later see... in the season, maybe not so evenly matched, but yeah. uh, for the opening match, mm. I reckon, yeah. Do we see, I mean, do we see Del Piero starting, or do, is the temptation to sort of hold it back for next week? And I, th- I think a cameo off the bench, last 10 minutes maybe, just to give... Uh, Put uh, Phoenix shirts back on again, maybe. No, right, I, let, I think let's I... let's let's play Alessandro Del Piero for a minute. Okay, you're play you you've been paid two million dollars a season. You're the biggest profile player in the league. Surely you want to start. You don't want to be told you're on the bench. And Terry McFlynn starting ahead of you. <laughs> um, I sure agree. You, uh, I agree. I'd be starting him. Because he's Del Piero. You start him in every game. Because yeah, he's Del Piero. It's a 27 round season. What's the point of spending two he million needs game on time. He needs and game not time. playing him? You may pull him off later on in the game, but I would, I would, I would start him. Keep him. Play him off the bench this time and then start him next week. 
I think you're starting. You, you start. uh, I think he's going to start. Will make sure he is fit and well for the home Cotton game. Cottonwall Serie A defenders are pretty tough. I think yeah. he's yeah. my prediction. He's going to start and he's going to score. Two, it's going to be one all. One all. There you go. All right. Paramount Stadium sees the debut of Western Sydney Wanderers against Central Coast Mariners. Uh, I think there's a couple of busloads coming down from uh, from Gosford. I've seen on Twitter today. They're putting the call out. Um, what do we think? Always a good moment. First game of a new new team. Mm. Great stadium. We were out there for the launch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice, compact, great place to watch football. Um, how do we see Western Sydney Wanderers going? It, it's really hard to predict. Um, Owner one end, I think Rogic might score at the other end. So look, I, I'm, I'm going for a draw because I just can't pick it. Yeah, no, I'll go for a draw with this one as well. Adrenaline pumping for the Wanderers, yeah. Central Coast Mariners, desperate to be the old party poopers that they've been so many times. Before. Arnie yeah. loves being a party pooper, and I think I think they could they could potentially win it late, but I th- I'm going to go for a draw. Arnie and Popper you know, head to head on the sidelines. Yeah, I, I, well, I say it's a draw. I think it's going to be nil nil though. I can't see anybody scoring. Not even Ono. Not even Ono. Nobody from, from, nobody from the Mariners. All right. Sunday sees the grand final rematch. Perth Glory against Brisbane Raw. Uh, obviously, it should be a heated atmosphere there after the uh, the grand final. I'm sure uh, Barisha is looking forward to a warm welcome from the Western <laughs> Australian audience. Um, how do we see it going? Well, I know, I know one thing for sure. The first tackle on Brish is going to be the hardest tackle of the game. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Welcome back, winding up. Uh, odds on a Jacob Burns yellow card. <laughs> Probably the safest bet. Possibly a red. In the A League this week. Possibly a red. Is, is, is a, first tackle. It's a Jacob Burns yellow card and a red card in this game. I'm going to call yeah, it right there. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, they're playing at a different venue. They're playing at Patterson State, the old Subiaco. It's a lovely stadium. Um, they're expecting a crowd of around 20,000. It's going to be a heated atmosphere, um, and I think that's going to suit Perth. They love that sort of atmosphere. I'm tipping a glory win for for the Perth for the, for the Perth boys. I think I think they've got the ultimate motivation to win this one, and, Perth, and Brisbane, I think, will just want to get out of it without any long-term injuries. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the referee goes as well. I think it's a referee replay. Uh, referee last season, Jared Gillett, gave was in charge of uh, eight Roar games and gave Roar three match-winning penalties mm. in those eight. Is he in charge this weekend? He's in charge this no. weekend. Yeah. No. Same grand final ref, back again, and still in charge of Roar games. He's a Gold Coast United boy, but he was ru- a Gold Coast boy, but he was didn't handle any A-League Gold Coast games last season. I find that very troubling. Mm. It's well, the, if you're going to have a grand final replay, you've got to have all the all the protagonists yeah. on show, haven't you? They also Roar also score sixty percent more goals when he's in charge than they do in other games. Mm. Uh, they get thirty percent. The opposition gets thirty percent more yellow cards than uh, Are you? <laughs> they do when he's in charge. Uh, when other refs are in charge of Roar games, so yeah, it's an interesting pattern. However, all right, the second game of uh, Sunday is. Uh, Newcastle versus Adelaide. Yeah. Heskey's debut at Hunter Stadium. Uh, obviously, Adelaide, as we said, backing up from a from a long trip to Uzbekistan and that, that disappointment. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you can uh, you can deal with the, the travelling if you're coming back with a win and a, and a mm-hmm. place in the next round. But having lost in extra time, it's going to be a it's going to be a big ask for Adelaide to go there. Isn't it? I can't see them getting anything out of this game. It's a long way. They're very disappointed. We haven't even spoken about that. 3-2 loss last night in mm. Tashkent so 
Very difficult. Heskey's debut, 15,000 at least there. Um, you can only see a victory for the home side. It'll yep. be great for them. I may even see a Heskey goal, I think. Yeah. Come on! Yep. I'm going to hand you a hat to eat by the end of the match, I reckon. I'm just going on nine in four years at Villa. That's what I'm going on. What about a Heskey hat trick? Let's get on to our friends at Centre Bet. Um, okay. That's it. So, so, sorry, prediction. Newcastle win by for you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, can see a 3-0 there. 3-0, yeah. I probably agree with that. All right, a couple of things. There's going to be a summing up on our website this afternoon. Bit of a new initiative, bit of fun this season is the 4-4-2 Panna King. We are looking for the A-League player with the best techers and silky skills through the season. So, the Panna is obviously... It's more than a nutmeg. It's through the legs, get it the other side. So mm. do that, one point. Do a little bit of a skill move. Think Song for Newcastle yeah. at Melbourne. Did, do you remember him doing it? It's on Twitter. Step? I just saw the video. Did a step yeah. over, pushed it through the legs, got around the other side. That's two points. Step over or, or a skill move through the legs and score three points. We're going to be keeping track through the season. We're going to present an award at the end of the year for the 442 A-League Panna King. So the word is out there. We want all our readers and fans and people on the, the website to keep an eye out if we miss any. Uh, any sort of uh, any debate will be solved by uh, our friends at Fox Sports who will rerun the tape for us and we'll, uh, we'll confirm it. So we're going to keep a running order. We're going to be speaking to some of the, the protagonists that are uh, that deliver these skillful moments through the year. Ada will be and Kev will be on the phone speaking to him on the Monday morning. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of fun. We'll be mm. kicking off today. So uh, it, it's on. Forget goals. Let's yeah. talk about the skills. I'm looking forward to seeing Emil do this on the weekend. Yeah, because he's renowned for his feet. Yeah. 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 And uh, obviously just one final plug, because it is what we do after all. Uh, the new magazine is on sale uh, next Wednesday. Um, Who's on the front, Andy? Unsurprisingly, there's a young, there's a young Italian fellow, rather mm. good-looking Italian fellow. Up and coming? Called Del Piero, who's on the front cover. Uh, we've also got Champions League special, looking back on 20 years, first 20 years of the Champions League, inside Barcelona, with Tito Villanova taking over. Who else, who uh, else is Ken, in Barcelona? Your, uh, trip to Barcelona. I'm in Barcelona. The Nike oh, boys, there's the me. Yeah. Is in there. Ado, what else? Oh, also, you can win a trip yeah. to go and uh, report for 442 Fantastic. on Chelsea's home uh, Champions League game in December. You got All you've got to do is head to our website. It will be up and live early next week. Uh, head to our website, put a caption on a Chelsea Champions League photo, Write your opening paragraph of your match report for that game, and uh, we'll be judging the best one. And you'll be flying to London with three mates, Ooh, courtesy of Adidas. Come on, yeah. not bad, eh? Yeah, Prem passions, Prem picks, loads of Premier League content. Um, I think it's the best issue we've ever done. That's a big call. <laughs> That's a big, big call. Paul Hansford spinning in his <laughs> grave yeah, right Trevor now. Trevor Trahard has just shuddered at his desk <laughs> in St Leonard's. Uh, and on that bombshell, <laughs> we, we are now back for the season. We'll be back every Thursday uh, with our take on the A-League. So thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been a while, but we are now back. So enjoy your football. Get out and support the A-League. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.